podcast for the 18th day of january it's about the middle of january 2023 happy wednesday it's the middle of the week in any event i'm Derek hunter this is the Derek hunter podcast appreciate you listening downloading sharing telling a friend all that good stuff good good eating lots of stuff going on today we're going to cover as much of it as possible first let me tell you about the week in effort review at patreon.com slash Derek hunter podcast And at DerekHunter.Locals.com, you can sign up, enter to win contests, autographed books, all sorts of goodies, bonus material, pictures and stuff. And uh, probably starting the next week or two, random throughout the week podcasts, five, ten minutes at a time. They're just going to be rants about things that drive me nuts. Which there's a lot of stuff, but I'm, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to write, start taking notes, and going, "All right, I can do this." Is annoying as hell. One of them would be like about how car commercials don't even tell you about the car anymore. It's just some hippie combing the beach for who in the hell throws away full like detergent bottles and throws them on the beach. I don't know what the hell, but so the turtles can come out and lay their egg. And I, okay, that doesn't tell me anything about the car, Kia. Sorry, I drive a Kia, but all I know is you could drive your car on a beach and comb it to let sea turtles get laid. Anyway, we'll get into, uh, there's a lot more to say about that because there's a whole bunch of car commercials that are just like not about the car. Like who cares? Well, the car is approved by dogs. Great. Is a dog going to put the down payment down? Is a dog going to pony up some insurance money? God, I don't know what the hell's going on with corporate America, but I'll explore that and all sorts of other things and things that uh, have changed over the course of our lifetimes. It'll be fun. You'll like it. All that for five bucks a month. You can't beat the deal. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Daddy's got to pay some medical bills and daddy's got to buy a new computer soon. So daddy's going to up his game and the, uh, the support websites. Plus, it's just fun. And that, well, like it's a Tuesday at uh, three o'clock. I'm pissed about something. I get to go and record about it and put it out there. Anyway, appreciate all the support. Thank you very much. Let us get on with the news. Let's get into it. There is a lot going on in the world. Lots of things happening. And uh, we've got to, where do we want to, I want to start off with the World Economic Forum is going on over there in Davos, Switzerland. You got to love it. What is the World Economic Forum? It's a place for a whole bunch of moneyed elites to get together. And really, there's government employees and there's, you know, the John Kerry's of the world. This is his Super Bowl. God, they love going over there to talk about how the planet is going to hell in a handbasket unless we just, unless governments get bigger, unless they take more of our money. We're all going to die thanks to climate change. That sort of mentality. It's it's wildly stupid. But you're dealing with people who are wildly stupid. You're dealing with people who want the destruction of society as it exists now. And they want to replace it with something that empowers them. Everything that comes out of these things, the Aspen Ideas Festival, the Davos, it, it is all about empowering these people. They don't give a damn about anything else. There's no interest in science. They use science. They butcher science. They bastardize science. They compromise science so that they can compromise our lives. That's who they are. They use our money to do it, too, which, you know, ultimately, shame on us. Sooner or later, we're going to have to wake the hell up and wrestle back the power that these people have uh, have taken and sadly all too often seated we've seated them anyway one of the speakers over there in a whole list of i mean klaus schwab is the guy who started the world economic forum you want to talk about somebody who you know george soros bond villain but klaus schwab is is a bond villain too perhaps even more so anyway over there, they have a whole list of speakers. You name it, they're over there. You name the news organization they're participating. Christopher Ray, director of the FBI, is on over there. The director of national intelligence is over there. John Kerry is over there. They all go over there. It's just a, a giant mind orgy for stupid people, 
for totalitarians. It really, it's the key party for totalitarians. And over there is Olana, Oliana, I guess you pronounce it, Oliana Zelensky. She is the first lady of Ukraine. Now, it's weird because these, these people have gotten, I get that they're at war and there was a horrible tragedy. A department building was bombed and yes, all of that. But you can't let things go simply because somebody's been through something horrible, especially when they are costing us a huge fortune at a time when we're going bankrupt. We are spending tens of billions of dollars over to Ukraine. And every time you hear Zelensky talk, what is it you hear out of his mouth? The money is not enough. We need more money. We need more, 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 more. Like It's never enough. And the West keeps on escalating. The UK is now sending like uh, tanks over there, which, as I saw, I watched... Um, I actually forced myself to watch NBC Nightly News last night. They they did a fairly decent job. Lester Holt did. Well, it wasn't Lester Holt, but uh, the reporter did. I'm talking about the Biden scandal with the documents. They did a decent job. I suspect it will start to go away now. If as long as they stop finding documents, they will. Uh, the media will return back to being the lapdogs that they are. But uh, they, uh, the left, is ready to throw everything at Ukraine. And they talked about how the UK sending tanks over there now puts pressure on the United States to do the same. Well, we're giving them Patriot missile batteries on top of tens of billions of dollars, like in addition to tens of billions of dollars. At some point, don't we have to say you've got to stand on your own? We do need the ability to defend ourselves. Not that you know Canada's making moves or anything. But if we are going to pledge to defend Hong, or uh, not Hong Kong, Taiwan from an invasion from China, we have to have the ability to do that. And right now we're running low on munitions because we've thrown everything at Ukraine. It's wildly stupid. We are making ourselves weaker in the, uh, under the guise of helping Ukraine. If you want to help Ukraine, fine, whatever. But... I would never help you. You know, it's like, hey, your friend calls you up or somebody, your na- not even your friend, because Ukraine isn't our friend. Unless you're a Biden, then I guess you're really friends with them because they made you filthy rich. But uh, somebody down the street calls you up and says, hey, I'm having trouble making my mortgage this month. They're going to they're gonna take my house. I need uh, I need a thousand bucks from you. Can you give me a thousand bucks? And well, your mortgage is a thousand bucks, and you're living paycheck to paycheck. And you, your choice is pay your own mortgage or pay your neighbor's mortgage. Most normal human beings would go, "I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I got, I got ten bucks here that I can give you, but I can't give you a thousand bucks. I, I have to pay my own mortgage, and I'm living paycheck to paycheck already. Or in the case of the United States government, I've racked up thirty-three trillion dollars in debt on my credit cards, so I have to pay my mortgage for it. I can't help you with that. Biden and the Democrats, and sadly a lot of Republicans as well. Look at that and go, well, here's a, here's a thousand bucks. We'll figure we'll figure it out. Don't worry about us. What's important is that you, because you're uh, the people foreclosing on, and this is a poor analogy, but you get the point. The people foreclosing on your house are people we don't like. And so, therefore, we shall pay your mortgage while ours, you know, goes into default, while we're sitting around having issues. We'll, we'll Don't worry about that. It's problematic. But the Ukrainian leadership has found a way around that because a, a normal person would look at that and go, you're stupid. Pay your own mortgage. Sorry. You have to take what what good can you do anybody if you're homeless? Well, there is one way to get around everything to Trump, if you will, if you know, Euchre or spades to get around to Trump to defeat, to overrule any sort of common sense. Not that liberals have a lot of it, but other people seemingly do. If you want the left to obey you, if you want the left to do your bidding, 
you need to find a way to take whatever it is you want done and couch it under the banner of climate change. You wrap it in climate change, and suddenly it becomes a priority. You want a government grant to study the mating habits of raccoons? You're not going to get it. What do we need that for? But you say, well, I want to study the mating habits of raccoons as it has been impacted by climate change. And then suddenly those ears perk up. And they go, oh, okay, here's $150,000. This is desperately, we need more and more ammunition for climate change, which is weird because they insist that the science is settled. If the science were settled, for my money, you don't really need any more study, right? You shouldn't, if the science is settled, you certainly shouldn't need as much study as you're getting anyway. But they're studying the hell out of it. And by studying, I mean spending a ton of our money uh, with uh, financing academia to simply manufacture more ammunition for leftists to say, look at the planet, it's, it's dying, we're all dying, we're all dying. When we're not dying. My God, California, just as an aside, California, I saw a report. You can't deny climate change is real now. Look at this. There's floods and roads are being washed out. And out in California, it's horrible. Mudslides. Like, yeah, um, I'm old enough to remember mudslides in California. A homeless guy urinates in the woods and there's a mudslide in California. That's how it works. You go through a drought because California, believe it or not, is mostly a desert. It really was. Human beings moved out there and irrigated it with water from elsewhere to create a livable environment. But nature doesn't forget that it was a desert. And you build roads on the sides of mountains? Guess what happens when that ground gets saturated? Ground that isn't used to being saturated. It breaks loose. So, and it, it slides and roads collapse. It's none, of the, none of these roads are like, here's a long, nice stretch of flat land, and then suddenly it collapsed because of all the rain. No, all of these things are on the sides of mountains. You build anywhere on the side of a mountain, you damn well better make sure that you have retaining walls and you make sure you know how the drainage happens there and you've compensated for it. Out in California, that they wouldn't have done that, does that surprise anybody? Does it? It doesn't, me. Anyway, when you uh, irrigate a desert and it's dry and dry, and then suddenly a wet season comes along every you know, couple of decades and all hell breaks loose, oh my God, um, you shouldn't upend your entire policy, your entire way of life to placate stupidity, bad planning, and the lies of the left, which brings us back to Oleana Zelensky, speaking at Davos, the World Economic Forum, listen to what she says. It's masterful because there is becoming Ukraine fatigue. Not that, you know, people are just going, what the hell with Ukraine? I hope they lose to Russia. It is how much money do we have to spend? There seems to be, there's no accountability. There's no interest in accountability from the Ukrainian people. The doctor talk to us about accountability. We're fighting the Russians. Yeah, we get it, okay? But we're paying for it, okay? And uh, you, you have a history of massive corruption in your country. Well, now the Zelensky industry is bringing in climate change to fight the war with Russia. Is, you, can't, uh, you can't fight climate without fighting and financing the fighting of Russia. How does the world want to achieve climate neutrality if so far it hasn't even stopped the burning of entire cities in Ukraine? This is what Russia is doing with its artillery, with its missiles, with its Iranian drones. And you know that the Russian aggression was never intended to restrict itself to the Ukrainian borders. This war can go further and it, it make crises wider if the aggressor does not lose. Yes, that's like climate change. It will go further. You must. How can you fight climate while cities are burning? And oh, by the way, they're coming for you next. They're coming for you next. Give us more money. Show results. We're spending a fortune over there. Let's be honest. We've already, I believe we've given more than the entire Russian military budget. 
We've paid a fortune. At some point, you have to have results, do you not? At some point, you have to be willing to negotiate, do you not? To sit down, you get a ceasefire whilst negotiating. You should try for that, should you not? But you're not allowed to say that, in fact. You will be attacked by warmongers both in Ukraine and in the United States. It's amazing to me. I don't often side with the Congressional Progressive Caucus, but a few months ago they sent a letter to the Biden administration urging them to urge the Ukrainian government to start discussions for ending the war, some sort of ceasefire, some sort of treaty to end the war with Russia, with Putin. And Democrats and Republicans, but largely Democrats in this country and in the Biden administration, attacked their own side. It's one of the few times I've ever seen them attack their own side in a serious way and say, how dare you, you caving to to Putin. You're a tool of Putin. That's their favorite thing. You're a tool of Putin. You're a tool of Putin. So much so that the Congressional Progressive Caucus backed off. All right, let's not negotiate then. Let's not negotiate. All right. Let's keep going on with wars. It's There's something weird going on over there in Ukraine. And it's not the war. It's not the atrocities. It has to do with money. There's too much money. People who say they want peace aren't doing anything to achieve peace right now. They're doing everything they can to make sure that the wire transfers and the contracts with the defense companies keep on flowing. Weird thing to do for a bunch of peaceniks, don't you think? Seems like it to me. I will say this about the World Economic Forum. I'm seeing this from a lot of people on the right lately. And they're saying, well, this doesn't, this isn't a, they're not a serious group. They don't have any power. They don't have any authority. So they, they get, there's far too much attention being paid to them. And I'm, I'm sensitive to that argument. I'm open to that argument, except for the fact that you have to take these people seriously. It's not just a, a group of rando strangers in a beer hall in Munich trying to overthrow the government of Germany, you think, well, they're just nuts. And at the time of the beer hall putsch and at the time of Hitler's first attempt at, at achieving power, there were a lot of attempts by a lot of different factions in Germany to overthrow the government. It was a, a complete disaster in Germany after World War One, and the inflation was out of control and the public was rife for the, this sort of rhetoric and this sort of change. So it, it it's not that, uh, you know, they're on the verge of taking over. But this is closer to, I'd say, Germany 1932, 1933, when Hitler did start attaining power. Nobody saw what was coming on. These people, many of them are world leaders. European Union, United States government officials, high-ranking United States government officials. They're out there. They're saying these things. They're involved in this disaster, in this mess, in this, if they had their way, usurpation of our rights and our liberties. They don't have the ability to impose it now, but by the time they have the ability to impose it, it'll be too late. So you have to pay attention to it now. You have to point out the absurdities of it now. Well, they're seizing power all over the world. You're you're too late. You are too late. So I don't think, yes, there are a lot of theories out there over, you know, the the World Economic Forum. Some of them are crazy. Some of them are spot on. And and most of them, quite frankly, are simply saying, here's what these people are saying. Here's what it is. you, You can equate the uh, World Economic Forum with the libs of TikTok and the the coverage of the World Economic Forum, which they're desperate to control, but they haven't figured out a way yet because they they still, they're not getting the coverage they want um, because they stream it to the world. It's kind of funny. 
Think of it as a, you know, you're the, the high school teacher whose entire identity is tied up in your genitals and who you sleep with. That's what these, uh, that's what Libs of TikTok exposes, is these people who just go, I have to tell the world about my sexuality, my identity, my this, my that, what I did on the weekends. I have to tell my kids and I have to tell the world that I'm telling the, the students, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what the hell's wrong with you? But it's because we've created a world of narcissists and stupid narcissists on top of it. And we've told everybody that everything they do is perfectly valid, whereas a normal country would look at somebody and go, dude, you're, you're a man. I don't care how you dress or whatever, but you're never going to be a woman. You're just never going to be a woman. You're not going to outwill nature. Sorry. We can't do that. That's a hate crime. So you're not allowed to do that. But they are forcing their will on everybody else their bastardized version of reality if you get somebody to comply with your bastardized version of reality you're winning that's what davos is starting to do they're getting all the people in the positions you want to talk about the great reset this is where it comes from klaus schwab and the world economic forum do they have the ability to do it right now no but damn it you do not want them to get that ability you need to head them off at the pass. You need to prevent them from ever getting into the position of having that ability. That's why it's so important to defeat people like Joe Biden and Democrats all the time. Because they are, they're not doing anything by accident. They're not doing anything by mistake. They are not doing anything willy-nilly. They know exactly what they're doing. If you can get people to accept what is not if you can control the way that people talk about things, then, and, you know, and get them a, at a minimum, if they, most people will never accept that a man is a woman, that a woman is a man. But if you can get people too afraid or just so obedient that they will say, well, that, that, that woman over there with the beard and the penis is, is quite a woman. Like the Miss USA pageant owner is a man who pretends to be a woman and gave a speech at the Miss Universe pageant about how, oh, the Miss Universe pageant will continue to empower women, and blah, 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 and we will fight for women and fight for feminism. And it's like, you are a dude, okay? It is somebody arguing with gravity and insisting that they're winning. They insist that they're flying, that they're floating. It's a level of insanity that, you know, on its surface, you look at it and you go, God, these people are nuts. What's wrong with these people? But it's not the homeless guy arguing with the lamppost on the street corner. These are people in positions of power. These are people with money. These are people with influence. These are people who will, uh, can get you fired from a job if you don't say, yes, I am obedient to, I believe that uh, men can get pregnant. Yes, men can get pregnant. You don't say that. You say men can't get pregnant. They will ruin your life. And they are not world leaders yet. So you have to be aware of what they're doing now to try and, quite frankly, uh, destroy them in the larva stage. Because uh, if you don't, you'll become infested. Society will become infested and ultimately we'll lose. So yes, pay attention to it. Don't live in fear of it. Stand up to it. The alternative is you'll live on your knees because of it. Before we leave the Davos uh, World Economic Forum for today, I want to play you... Um, Another, one of the, they have a whole list of speakers, people you never heard of. This guy is Alan Dangower. He is uh, one of the climate change experts. They're wildly concerned with climate change over there. And uh, Alan Dangower is a researcher. He is, uh, good Lord, he's the London School of Hygiene and Trop Top Tropical Medicine. It's climate change health team at uh, Welcome Strategies. Welcome with two L's. He's the, the climate director over there. And guess what he finds every time he looks at anything? He finds climate change, of course. Just like all environmental, they, every, whatever this area of specialty is, these people find it. 
Because why? Because to not find it is to jeopardize their job <laughs> and to not do the bidding of their bosses who are, you know, donating the money to the, their organizations. If you, if George Soros says, I want to find the, uh, the pledge a million dollars research to find how racism is uh, dealing with the auto insurance industry, which Joe Biden will get to his audio in a second. Guess what? Somebody from the auto insurance industry, I'll study that. I'll find it. And then they'll, they'll study it. And guess what they'll find? Why? The auto insurance industry is wildly racist. Just don't look too closely at the underlying data. Just accept what we say. And George Soros, it's all above the headline. No reporters actually read reports anymore. They copy and paste quotes from press releases, so long as those press releases come from left-wing organizations and help advance a progressive agenda. It's in. That's how the game is played these days. There used to be, swear to God, reporters who understood the fields that they cover. Now you have reporters covering Capitol Hill who don't understand how Congress functions. They don't get it. <laughs> there are reporters out there for major news organizations who will make public comments on social media about how it is bizarre and unfair and anti-democratic and anti-American that Rhode Island has the same number of senators as California or New York. And you sit there and you go, well, do you not understand anything about the institution that's your job to cover? And the answer is no. No, they don't. They understand the political agenda of the ideology in which they were marinated as children and sunk in and were too stupid and incapable of critical thought on their own to sort of question it in any way, shape, or form. But that's all they understand. That's it. The Constitution isn't all that complicated. The Federalist Papers aren't all that complicated. Uh, you don't even have to read it in the old fancy handwriting and printing. You can read it in modern terms. And they still don't get it because they don't want to get it. There are some people who question everything. And those are the people who innovate. Those are the people who, you know, think what you will of the Bill Gateses and the Jeff Bezoses or the Elon Musks of the world. But they didn't look at what was and go, well, there you go. That's how it is. They looked at what was and said, well, why does it have to be this way? And they set about changing it. And there are a lot of people out there who are simply obedient and never question anything. I mean, the world needs ditch diggers. Nothing against that. But uh, you know, it's just, it's terrifying that so many people have no basic curiosity. Not everybody's going to turn into an Elon Musk. But when you're told things that so many times are just patently false, obviously false, and you keep going back to those very same people and expect them to start telling you the truth, you, you, the, sooner or later the problem is you. There's a common denominator. Whenever anybody says, oh, yeah, no, all the chicks I've dated were crazy. Well, there's a common denominator in there, and it's you. Maybe maybe they were crazy, I don't know. But it's more on you than anything else. Or, uh, you know, he, she always dates really jerky men. Okay, well, um, she, she <laughs> it's not like only jerky men exist. There's a, there's a reason. Maybe you should get to the bottom of it. So if every time you're, you're tweeting or, or posting on Facebook or whatever about why does this happen with government, why can and you, the responses are, do you not understand the basics of how a government works? This is why there are two senators from every state, and this is why. Um, the problem is you. The problem is usually the common denominator if something is always or never. Just saying. Anyway, Alan Dangar, climate change expert, he's now taking the Zelensky model and talking about ment the mental health crisis in young people. It's kind of funny because these leftists created this mental health crisis in young people around climate by telling them, you're never going to make it to adulthood. The planet is going to be uninhabitable. You're all going to die. It's going to be an absolute disaster. Things are going to hell. You're going to be, there's going to be mass starvation and floods and fires and, my God, death and destruction everywhere. 
And there's going to be just a nonstop war for limited resources because blah, 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 blah. You tell people that, the the seven-year-old, that that by the time they're 20, the world will be a nuclear ash heap. Well, guess what? You're going to be scared to death. When I was a kid, there was, you know, talk about Russia. The Soviet Union still existed. There was the push of, you know, nuclear war. You could have a nuclear war. We could all die in a nuclear war. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, as a kid, there were some times where I thought, God, we're all going to die in a nuclear war. What the hell? Now, I didn't understand politics at all. I didn't understand how awful the media was. I didn't really understand the power that the political class has in manipulation and why they do things. So I was susceptible to this. Was there a threat of nuclear war? Of course there was, but it wasn't around the corner. It wasn't right on top of us. It wasn't, we're all going to die tomorrow. It's the same kind of thing now, but it's with climate rather than the Soviet Union. And here it is being articulated by one of the people at the World Economic Forum. And of course, the other massive uh, ecosystem-mediated pathway between climate change and health is the impact on our mental health. And we're really only beginning to scrape the surface there. And there is no health without mental health, as my mental health colleagues re- repeatedly remind me. And we see these two, these, these two, path, these two it's a two-directional pathway. Number one, young people are petrified about the future, and that is having a substantial impact on their mental health. Mm-hmm. And number two, the way the environment <laughs> is changing, especially uh, in, in those places with the most vulnerable communities, has a dramatic impact on the mental health of those populations, typically indigenous groups. <laughs> We're scaring the hell out of people, and people are having the health scare out of them. They're scared. People are scared. Why are people scared? Well, because you keep, we keep telling them that uh, we're coming to kill them. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Remember Princess Bride, the Dread Pirate Robbins? Carrie Always, every day for years, they'd say, there you go, Wesley, good job. Probably kill you in the morning, go to sleep. And, you know, sooner or later it broke him, changed him, whatever. That kind of weird mentality. You keep telling people the world is going to come to an end, and oh, by the way, it's probably their fault, and uh, it's preventable, and your life is going to be, if you survive the apocalypse, is not going to be a fun one, but good luck to you, good on you, I hope it works out for you. You tell people that, it, it guess what it does? It perverts their worldview. It might cause mental problems. Imagine going to bed every day, like, all right, I'm going to beat the hell out of you come morning. But you sleep tight tonight, okay? Don't worry. Have sweet dreams tonight. In the morning, I'm going to give you a bowl of cornflakes and a nice right hook to the head. That kid probably won't sleep very well. He probably won't sleep very well. But they're manipulating. I do love how he says at the end there, like, well, um, we've got a situation where the climate change is impacting the most vulnerable communities. For, well, why? Climate is the whole planet, right? Last I checked, the whole planet has a climate. But for some reason, somehow, through some miracle of science, it's very localized in poor countries. It's localized in poor countries that are usually run by totalitarian regimes or right on the verge of totalitarian regimes. The localized nature of climate change is uh, never ceases to amaze. And of course, the solution, if you will, to climate change is to take money from countries that are innovating <clears throat> and creating the technology that supposedly will fight climate change, but taking their money and then giving it to these totalitarian regimes nobody really ever explains to me how that works and how it is i mean maybe climate the climate is racist too i suppose we could and probably do if you're looking for a way to get a big government grant maybe study how it is that the climate is racist how is it the climate is racist and how is it because even in this country when they talk about when they talk about climate change on a world scale, it's always these poor countries with indigenous populations, and these poor countries, minority countries, blah, 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 blah. When they talk about it in this country, it's the exact same thing. 
As well, it's it's the cities with largely minority populations where climate change impacts are hitting the hardest. You go, how the hell is that possible? How the hell? Is that? It doesn't seem possible. Unless, of course, the climate is racist. Maybe the climate is racist. I don't know. I don't know climate. But if climate is racist, then you could say, all right, well, there you go. It's targeting out minority populations. But otherwise, you might, if you're thinking rationally and you dare question anything, you might have some questions about that. (laughs) How is it that climate change in the United States is going to particularly hit Baltimore, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, harder than any place else? So you say, but then it's also going to hit the third world harder than any place else when you do on the, on the world scale. It just depends on which point you're trying to make. One might actually begin to think, and dare I suggest correctly so, that people are making it up as they go, that people are lying to you. And the real problem isn't climate change. It's not a man-made climate change. It is weather and having really poor infrastructure in areas where politicians, the political class, prioritize their own power, their own glory, their own money, their own wealth, and that of their friends over doing their job effectively. Think of all the places in the world where they say climate change is going to have the most impact. There are some of the most corrupt places in the world. Think of all the places in this country where they say climate change is going to have the most impact. And they are some of the most politically corrupt places in the country. Maybe the problem isn't the SUV. Maybe the problem is who people are voting for and the political party that they empower. Just a thought. Just a thought. It's probably a hate crime to have that thought, but it's worth exploring, I think. So while we've got the world elite meeting over in Switzerland trying to find ways to, I don't know, manipulate people, scare the hell out of people, and push their socialist agenda forward, we've got the President of the United States running around on Martin Luther King Day. What do you do on Martin Luther King Day? If you're Joe Biden, you you must have staff that sits around and says, How can we mark Martin Luther King Day in the least Martin Luther King way possible? And of course, it's a sad commentary about the state of the so-called civil rights movement nowadays that the leader of it perceived in the ring that Democrats have to kiss. I don't know where that ring is. You can figure it out. But the ring that they have to kiss is Al Sharpton's. Al Sharpton, if you remember the last two election cycles, every now it was less so in 2016 because that was an attempt to anoint Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders got in the way, but definitely in 2020, what happened? Every announced Democrat did one thing. They went up to Harlem. They went to Sylvia's, the chicken and waffles place, and had breakfast with Al Sharpton. Remember that? He was the ring you had. Look, if you're going to get the black vote, you've got to go up there and suckle up to a tax cheat man of God who left his wife for a young hot woman. Yeah, you know how that is. You got to go up and talk to the guy responsible for the the riots in Crown Heights and Freddy's Fashion Mart and the body count there. Oh, the anti-Semitism and the racism of Al Sharpton. It's just forgot. Cancel culture will go back and find something you tweeted as a zygote and demand that you be ruined forever going forward for what you did at that point. But Al Sharpton has the entirety of the 80s and a good chunk of the 90s where he was a rabid racist anti-Semite who incited riots, and those riots led to deaths. And he's and he didn't. And on top of that, he doesn't pay his taxes or didn't pay his taxes. And he not only gets a show on MSNBC, he is trotted out as an icon of the civil rights movement. You have to sit there. You almost have to feel bad for Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson was there. He actually did march with Martin Luther King. He was there 
when Martin Luther King was assassinated, even though he wasn't standing there, he somehow got blood on his face. You could figure that one out on your own. He picked up the mantle. He's been working at it for much longer than Al Sharpton, and he got lapped by Sharpton. Now, granted, Jesse Jackson did have his own problems when he ran for president in 1984, I think it was. He referred to New York as Town because he's an anti-Semite, too. He also has, um, well, he has at least one illegitimate child. That Remember that Jesse Jackson back on the Bill Clinton scandal was going on? The Monica with Monica. Jesse Jackson, it was, he was going to be the savior. He was going to ride in and counsel Bill Clinton. Don't worry, I'll figure it out. And then it turns out that that's when they discovered that Jesse Jackson had an illegitimate daughter and had an affair. And he said, I'm going to retreat from public life for a little while to deal with this. And then I think it was like a week later, he's like, nope, it's too important. I got to go and talk to Bill Clinton. I've got to be his counselor. Like, what? Unless you're teaching him how to bury a side piece for for decades on end, what are you going to bring to the table? Of course, Jesse Jackson, if you know people who have rolled in Jesse Jackson's world or in the world of politics and Democratic Party politics, you find out that... uh, the the real thing you'd have to say is not, oh, my God, Jesse Jackson has an illegitimate child. The real thing is, the shocker is, oh, my God, Jesse Jackson only has one illegitimate child. Anybody believe that? One? Just one? I don't I don't know. That doesn't seem possible. <laughs> just, just say it. Anyway, back to our idiot president. I don't know how I got off on that tangent. Our idiot president goes up to kiss the ring of Al Sharpton really is just how sad is it that this is that's what it was so this is what the civil rights movement has become is al sharpton and his national action network his national exploitation network you can get jesse jackson to show up at your civil rights protest or not jesse jackson al sharpton the going rate used to be fifty thousand dollars in donation to uh to him but uh it's probably gone up some since then but uh, you know inflation you can still get him not saying i know from uh, people who've purchased that service but you can draw whatever conclusion you want anyway while there on martin luther king day joe biden decides now's as good a time as any to continue to drive a wedge between americans to just spew lies and stupidity because the black vote is the most loyal voting block to Democrats. And Joe Biden loves to talk about how I can bring people together. You notice how he's never done it? You notice how in his entire life he's never done it? But he insists that he is. Just like they call me Lunch Bucket Joe, but he can't cite a single human being who calls him Lunch Bucket Joe. They call me Middle Class Joe. Can't cite a single person who called him Middle Class Joe. I bring people together. I can unite people. He's never and once in his life brought people together. And speaking to the National Action Network, he decides to go off on a rant. This is why I imagine his staff gets terrified when he, they see that there is a wireless microphone up on stage because all he does, he goes up there, he's supposed to speak at the podium. They've got the words in front of him at the teleprompter. And teleprompters are pretty directional specific. So if you're not, they're hard to see the words on them if you're not in the right spot that's why they have to be lined up and when he can't see the words on them or he's not looking at the words on them joe biden goes off on tangents joe biden off on a tangent is like hunter in vegas with a hundred thousand dollars and a an uber waiting to take him to the bunny ranch is just problems ahead so he's walking around with the microphone and he decides to ad lib And he talks about car insurance. Car insurance is wildly racist, just in case you didn't know, in an effort to bring people together on Martin Luther King Day, speaking to the racist anti-Semite Al Sharpton's group, Joe Biden decides to say this. And give everybody a fair shot that lives there. The same thing. And by the way, if you live in one of those neighborhoods and you have the same exact car I have in the other neighborhood, you pay more for your insurance than that side. No basis for it. None at all other than you're black and I'm white. No basis for it. Only black. Only black people live in poor, crime-ridden neighborhoods, according to Joe Biden. 
It's only because, well, Joe Biden lives in one of the uh, most elite neighborhoods in Delaware. I don't know if you know this or not, but his mansion, his number one mansion, not his beachfront mansion, but his number one mansion was purchased from the DuPont family. Yes, that family, the filthy rich DuPont family. They weren't living in hovels. They sold the mansion to Joe at a nice price when he was a United States senator. Gave him one of the biggest houses in the state. Uh, as the, He was the poorest man in the Senate who lived in one of the biggest houses. It's weird how that worked out. And oh, by the way, something to keep an eye on. I'm not sure where this will go. But on his application to purchase a firearm, the one that Hunter Biden falsified, one he lied about, saying that he was not uh, using substances when he clearly was and admitted to it in his book, which is a felony if, if a normal human being does it. On that same form, he said he gave his address as Joe and Jill's Wilmington Mansion, the old DuPont Mansion. On that form, Hunter said he was renting. He was living there because he was paying rent there. He was paying $49,000 in change per month rent for that $50,000 a month and the house is worth about two million dollars as Eric Trump noted the other day and other people noted the other day people who know real estate the mortgage on a two million dollar house is nowhere near fifty thousand dollars even if you know Joe and, and Jill had probably paid it off at that time but they were also living there at the time and it was their home. They lived in the Naval Observatory, too, but they went home all the time. Joe goes home all the time now as president. He went home all the time as vice president. So $50,000 a month in rent for a place that Hunter really wasn't at all that often. He was on benders. He had his own place in Delaware, and he was in Washington, D.C., impregnating strippers, too. Um, so he wasn't there all that time. He's paying $50,000 a month. Does that strike anybody as odd, which is way, way, way above the going rate for a, uh, a, a $2 million home? Might that be, and this is where some industrious journalist would be able to, I don't know, do some journalisming, which means they probably won't do it, but might that be how the big guy got his 10%? It's money laundering in plain sight. Could it be? Hunters making money hand over fist from foreign governments and foreign companies that have no business employing somebody with zero expertise or knowledge in their field. And suddenly he's renting a house in the state where he already lives but he, and has a house, but isn't really there all that much. And it is well above the going rate. Now, if you're the parent of a child looking to rent a room in your house, so you're going to say, well, our mortgage is $2,000 a month. So I'm going to charge you $10,000 a month for your bedroom above the garage. Does that strike anybody as odd? Would you charge your child rent in any way, shape, or form if your kid needed a place to stay? Just say your kid needs a place to stay. Well, honey, you know I love you, and I'll do anything for you, but I ain't doing anything for you unless and until I'm making a good, huge, gigantic chunk of money every single month. Every single month, all right? You can sleep in a car. You can go to hell for all I care, unless, of course, you're willing to pony up $50,000 a month. Does that strike anybody else as odd? I don't know for sure. I'm just asking questions. But that sure as hell strikes me as money laundering in plain sight. Discussion for another time, I suppose. Back to the car insurance thing. I didn't realize that I was black. <gasps> what did you just say? Well, see, when I lived in Baltimore for 13 years, I didn't own a car most of that time. But the last year and a half, maybe two years, I did. I bought my first car, my first and only new car that I ever purchased because you then realize how big of a scam buying a new car is. And uh, I, I bought it, and I had to pay through the nose for insurance. But it was a new car, and I owed a lot of money on it, and blah, blah, blah. That was just the way it went. Then I got married and moved to Montgomery County 
Maryland. We rented a house in uh, in a very affluent area. We rented the smallest house in the most affluent area we could. We're the only house that hadn't been torn down and replaced by a McMansion. People hated us, but it, we didn't do anything with it. The landlord hated them. He let all the foliage grow and everything. He just well, he, he's an NRA. He's a right winger. He loved sticking it to these people. But it was near my wife's work, so we're in this affluent neighborhood. And suddenly, when I change my address, I call the insurance company. Blah. blah, blah. Suddenly, my rates drop dramatically. I didn't realize that I had transitioned from black to white. I have that experience now. Apparently, I should probably amend my resume to uh, to reflect that. But might it be not skin color? Because my neighborhood in Baltimore was pretty diverse. It was actually, I'd say, if not majority white, pretty damn close to majority white. If you just that north-south corridor of Baltimore uh, near Charles Street. Uh, might it be that there were significantly more crimes committed in the city of Baltimore than there were in where we lived in Montgomery County? Because my uh, insurance dropped by half, more than half, I think it was. It was amazing to watch. It was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Because that's how it works. And maybe, just maybe, it has to do with crime rates, Joe. And instead of lecturing people, saying, you're victims, you're horrible, you're just being put upon, and oh, my goodness, government will protect you when government is never capable of it and never even come close to doing it, maybe you should tell people that we need to really fight crime combat crime you want car insurance justice joe then maybe try and combat crimes see because when i lived in baltimore i'd borrow cars sometimes and i'd uh, from friends and when i had my own car i was told expressly and i followed it to a t do not Leave anything, even a quarter, visible. Any change whatsoever, visible inside your car. Nothing of value, visible inside your car. If you're going, take it with you. But if you're going to leave it in your car, put it in the council, put it in the glove box, put it somewhere. Why? Because maybe people won't steal your car. They probably won't steal your car, but they will break into it for a quarter. They'll smash a window and go money or something I can sell to get heroin. Maybe just maybe. The lax attitude towards drugs and criminal enforcement has more to do with the insurance rates in various neighborhoods around the country than skin color, Joe, because it's not just black people who are poor, and poor people aren't exclusively black, you racist piece of crap. I want to cover a couple more things really quickly in the time we have left. Good old Lori Lightfoot. I, uh, I had this audio yesterday. I just couldn't get to it. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, she had a bit of a problem. Her campaign emailed the Chicago schools. Well, the first problem is they assumed that Chicago schools could read an email. But they emailed the Chicago schools, the teachers unions, calling for students in Chicago to basically be given as as laborers, free laborers, volunteers. If there were only a word for people who you get to labor for free. Against their will, even. I don't Whatever the word escapes me. I'm sure there is one. Uh, but uh, they were calling for this labor in exchange for the students getting extra credit. Now, the, imagine the mayor of a city emailing the teachers, the schools, saying, hey, give us, as, quote, volunteers, end quote, all as many students as who will do it, and you give them extra credit. How many people in Chicago, how many students in Chicago are not learning to read? But, oh, they get extra credit if you go door to door for Mayor, you know, Beetlejuice, Mayor Baby Yoda over there. So she had an interview on Sunday with Jonathan Capehart of the Washington Post, who has a show on MSNBC, because of course he does. He is a liberal in good standing. He's He's a left-winger, he's black, and he's gay. So he's wildly historic, just like Karine Jean-Pierre. And of course, being a liberal, he's not going to ask any serious questions. He's not interested in serious questions, but he does have to get to, this is a big story in Chicago, that the mayor is emailing 
the schools saying, hey, give extra credit to kids who volunteer for my campaign. It's a wild violation of the law. You can't do, you can't control, you can't use politics in the schools. And you're supposed, there's supposed to be a separation there between the political and the official. That's why, you know, the half the, the White House press briefings are, I can't talk about that. It's a violation of the Hatch Act, violation of the Hatch Act. Well, the mayor of Chicago isn't subject to the Hatch Act, but they're subject to other laws in the state of Illinois. So at the very end, after a softball interview, Jonathan Capehart, serious award-winning journalist, decides to ask a question. He has to ask a question. Listen to the way he frames it. It is the most pathetic, I don't really care about this. Nobody, no progressive should care about this. You should win re-election because you've done such a bang-up job with the what with all the murders in Chicago. Kind of way he answers, asks this question. And then the answer is, just a, it was just an oopsie. You know how it is. Mayor Lightfoot, I got to get you on one controversial thing um, before we let you go. Your campaign, uh, re-election campaign, is under investigation after being accused of trying to recruit Chicago public school students to help you get re-elected. What's your response to this story that, out of NBC News? Well, I, I, I've said it many times and I'll repeat it here. Look, in our, in, in our zeal to make sure that young people had an opportunity to participate in air flocking to our campaign, uh, uh, one of our staffers uh, reached out um, through publicly available information to CPS teachers and our city colleges, and that was just simply a mistake. I'm the mayor of the city. I'm not an, uh, somebody aspiring to be the mayor. And the wall between the campaign and the official side has to be impenetrable. And it will be. And that was a mistake. <laughs> it has to be impenetrable. It wasn't. It was Swiss cheese. But it was just an honest mistake. Don't you love the way that it's, it's, it's telling about her answer as it is the way the question was framed. I have to ask you about one controversial thing before I... Uh, well, that tells you what? That the rest of the five-minute interview was a complete and total waste of time. Jonathan, I can't, I'd catch hell if I didn't at least ask you about really the only thing that you're doing that's making national news right now. And that is that your campaign is trying to uh, bully teachers into giving kids extra credit to volunteer on your campaign. What do you got to say about that? You got anything to say about that? All right. Yeah, no, no, an honest mistake happens all the time. Really? Really? How many Republicans do you think would be given a pass if Ron DeSantis emailed, forget statewide, just one city's school system says, hey, how about you uh, send some, some day laborers our way, some of them students, give them some extra credit? At least they'll get some credit in school. They're not learning anything. in your... How about we, uh, we do that? Can we work that out? Would Rachel Maddow would come back from her one day a week show she'd come in on a second day to literally set herself on fire on the set of her show I mean, oh my goodness i can't believe this is an outrage can you he needs to be impeached he needs to be in prison he needs to be out there and, and there would be no ah oh, chucks what are you going to do it's all publicly available yeah doesn't matter how you got the contact information it's that you used the contact information illegally to try to get free labor. Ah, I keep on trying to avoid that word. Try to get free labor in a school system that is failing its students, but want to protect yourself. Now, what is there implicit in there is, if you don't, there's going to be some hell to pay because I'm, you know I'm going to win re-election. You know I'm probably going to win re-election. And if you're not on my good side, you're on my bad side. Favors for friends. It's what they always accuse Republicans of doing, and yet it's what they do constantly. And then breaking the law. They always accuse Republicans of doing it, but then they end up getting caught doing it themselves without ever having caught Republicans doing it. They just accuse them of it. It's very, very weird, isn't it? The saddest thing is that Lori Lightfoot will likely be reelected mayor of Chicago without any real question or any real challenge she's terrible at her job which is seemingly the well one of the only requirements as a democrat you have to be terrible at your job or you can be terrible at your job you just have to be historic and Lori lightfoot is the first black gay woman elected 
mayor of Chicago. So it doesn't matter how awful she is at her job. She's historic. If she lost, well, she I don't know. She wouldn't, she doesn't check as many boxes, the historic Karine Jean-Pierre. So maybe she couldn't take over as press secretary at the White House. It's so hard to keep up with the way the left bastardizes things. <laughs> who's in favor and who's not. Anyway, there you go. You're up to date. That's all the time we have for today. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow because, like I say, the stupidity never stops and somebody's desperately got to call it out. We need to call it out. We'll keep doing that. <laughs>